Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 125 of the Reinventure Me podcast. Well, your ideas deserve a great audience, and your audience is asking five things of you. We're going to talk about that in today's episode of Reinventure Me. Thanks for joining us. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hey there. Welcome to episode 125 of the Reinventure Me podcast. I'm Larry Gates, and I'm here with... Armin Asadi. Armin the Dream Asadi. That's right. I missed that nickname, I think. <laughs> I, want, I want that nickname back. I think you probably have to put another YouTube video it's out not there. Happen. <laughs> I found, okay, I met a pastor. This is completely irrelevant. But I met a pastor while I was at the art conference who is an Iraqi pastor in North Carolina, and his name is Naeem. And his nickname is Naeem the Dream. <laughs> You guys could have a band. Yeah, and I and I gave him a dead serious look, and I said, "How dare you take my nickname?" He said, "I'm older than you." I was like, "Are you in?" Well, no, seriously, you could put together a show troupe or something. We're willing. All right. Well, listen, you are welcome to this episode. We're glad you're here. We're inviting you to listen in. This is the podcast for what's next in life, and Armin and I like to explore all the different ways that you might think about your life, the opportunities, the ventures you're made to pursue. This is episode 125, meaning all the show notes that we have for this episode are available at reinventure.me slash 125. Find that on the web. When you're out there at our show at reinventure.me, subscribe to get our show notes delivered right to your email box. So that every Thursday morning, you can get the show notes delivered and you don't even have to worry about it. So Armin, take us into our show. I don't know if they're ready for this. Are you ready for this? <laughs> All right. So as Larry said in the hook, your ideas uh, deserve a great audience, but your audience is also asking five very specific questions. And these questions, if you are ever going to be in a position where you're going to be speaking in a public setting, maybe you're preaching, maybe you're doing a motivational thing, maybe you're rallying your team around you into leadership thing. It, heck, this even applies to conversation. It does. We can take it down that far, but let's just keep it around the context of speaking. There's five specific questions. Because everything you, else is miming, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, public speaking, the idea of it is very nerve wracking. Yeah, it is. You know, so like when you think Some of, people fear public speaking more than death. Yeah, that would definitely be true for me. I just processed <laughs> that. Yeah, I would... I, I'd face death a lot easier than public <laughs> speaking. I don't know how I speak as much as I do. Oh, you good out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to cover these five questions and we're just going to dialogue about it. And hopefully this is useful to you because we know that 
public speaking is not an easy thing. And if you have some form of context that's simple as asking questions, it may help you form or prepare in a way that will actually help you be a lot more successful than you would be on your own. Yeah. And we're not here to present the end all of public speaking, but we have never done an episode on this. I don't think in the 125 shows we've done, we've never really talked about Mm -hmm. public speaking and presentation. And there's, you know, there are people who give entire weeks and weeks of, of training in this. And I've taken some of those classes as well. We're not going to talk about technique. We're going to talk more about how you need to think mm-hmm. about and prepare for and get yourself mental game right. Right. And that's an important part of the preparation. In fact, our Inspire Me is around that, isn't it? Yes. Yes. So here's the Inspire Me by a guy who makes up probably 30% of our <laughs> Inspire Me quotes, Mark Twain. He, said he makes it, up 30% of everybody's quotes. That's true. <laughs> he is the cult machine. All right. So he says, it usually takes me more than three weeks to prepare a good impromptu speech. Exactly. <laughs> so that's about right for Shaboom. me. <laughs> sometimes i do it faster yeah (laughs) you know impromptu speeches are tough right (laughs) as long as everyone thinks they're impromptu (laughs) it's your acting skills that count there (laughs) well that's so good because we often spend all of our time when a speech is coming thinking about what we want to say right and we don't think necessarily about where the audience is coming from we think about where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. We think about what we want to impart, mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily think about what's what's the audience doing as they're listening to it. And like you said before, this can be a variety of settings. This could be a motivational speech or, or maybe you're a pastor and you're <laughs> delivering every week to your congregation. There are still things that you need to think about right. in terms of what they're coming in with their mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think it's especially true even in one-on-one conversations like we talked about. In that case, it's more true when the person you're meeting with doesn't know you very well. Mm. You know, so some of these questions are more like, I'm not exactly sure who this is that's presenting. So I don't exactly, I've got some questions about you. Right. Right. But they all work. They all work. And so, I mean, why should we do this? I mean, why should we be paying attention to this right now? From my perspective, at least from someone who wholeheartedly dislikes spotlights being center of attention and being the guy that everyone's looking at while speaking. Really? Armin the dream doesn't like to be in the spotlight. So that nickname comes from (laughs) the the full nickname is Armin the dream straight from the loadout team. So the dream part was how well I used to load out our portable church. There was no other, (laughs) nothing to do with my speaking. Oh, I got you. Okay. Okay. Throw that out there. Um, But for me, I think the reason this is so important is that if you're going to be speaking, if it gives you a different way of looking at this, a different perspective, a different angle that allows you to think in a way that is more holistic, that's going to be more impactful, that's going to be more engaging because it's no longer about your perception. It's no longer about the little techniques that overwhelm you at times? Am I being monotone or not? Am I making enough eye contact? And I'm not saying those things aren't important, but I'm just saying if you look at it from the perspective that we're coming at it from, I think it can make your speeches and your sermons or whatever it might be a lot better for the people that are sitting out there listening to you. Yeah. You know, you bring up a really good point because I think a lot of times some of the fear in public speaking is how we will come across and how we will appear. Mm-hmm. And so we want to have 
the eloquent presentation. We want to be able to have a commanding presence. We want to have the eye contact and really all of the technique stuff. Right. And there is no doubt that the technique things are helpful to create a powerful presentation, mm-hmm. but they're not the essentials. I have to say that some of the most impactful messages that I've heard have come in rather unappealing presentations. In fact, sometimes Hmm. I have to close my eyes because what the presenter is doing, maybe pacing a lot or whatever, because they're nervous, but what they're saying is powerful. Hmm. And unless we, you know, put first things first, which is worry less about the technique worry more about what it is you're trying to accomplish. And that's really, I think, what we want to get in here. Right on. I mean, you, you had some other points, I think, in terms of why this is important to you. What were those? Well, I think one of the things, it's easy to dismiss a public speaking topic like we have, and maybe some of our listeners are wondering how this applies to them. But frankly, it it is true when you think about these things that it improves your ability to persuade others. And persuading others is important when you have an idea. And we're not talking about persuasion in the sense that we're trying to manipulate somebody to do what they naturally don't want to do. But what we're doing is we're helping create an argument. And I don't mean that in a militant sense. We're, we're trying to create a cogent way of telling a message so that other people can identify with it and help shape their thinking. Hmm. And that's really when we have an idea, we have something that God has stewarded inside of us to go do it's incumbent upon us to do that to our very best. And part of that is to explain what we're doing and doing that in a, in a helpful way. And frankly, when you work on these skills in public speaking or go to a Toastmasters or whatever, even if you don't have an opportunity to speak on a regular basis, it sharpens your persuasion skills, and that's a portable skill. It's mm-hmm. just helpful in every endeavor that you do. You want to get a new job? your ability to persuade and and seem confident and also get on the other side of the table. In fact, using some of the questions that we're going to talk about are really helpful even in a job interview situation. So true. And so there's a lot of good reasons to think about this, even if you don't think that, hey, I'm going to be giving a talk anytime soon because there's lots of reason to do that. But I think the biggest reason to think through this, Armin, is that it helps us sharpen our own thinking. Hmm. And I have found that oftentimes until I have to write something or I have to speak it in a formal way, I'm not really clear in my own head about what I'm thinking. You always think you are. You think you are. (laughs) It's very self-deceptive. Yeah, because when you're trying to think about how do you explain something to someone else, it really causes you to have to wrestle through it yourself. And Mm -hmm. it really clarifies your thinking. As you know, some of the nervousness, I think, in the preparation is, well, is this going to be taken in a way that I don't mean it to be taken? Right. You know, and what are the other ways in which people might come across? Are there some hostile views that I might come across? And how do I handle those in a way that doesn't compromise where I'm coming from and yet is sensitive perhaps to a listener so that I can continue to persuade them? All of those things come into play, and then pretty soon your head just goes mush. Yep. And that's why I think this is such, I mean, I've given hundreds, if not thousands of presentations. I know you've given a lot too. And I find that in the preparation time, it's what appears clear to you and you get passionate about and you go, I can't wait to talk about this. You go as you're preparing, ah, wow, this isn't quite as crystal in putting it down in a way and conveying it than I thought it was in my head. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of asking these questions really helped that. 
It will right. help bring clarity around that and sharpens your thinking. That's Even good. if you never gave the presentation, it's a good exercise to go through just to say, am I, am I sharper in my thinking as a result of it? All right, so let's get into the questions. Well, we've teased it enough, right? Yeah. So the first question is, keep this in mind, is this, these are the questions that the audience is asking. So keep that lens on. So the first question being is, why should I listen? Mm-hmm. So what would you say? That's important. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to answering the question, why, <laughs> yeah. should I, why should I listen to you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I don't want to hear the answer to that. Yeah, I think every audience is asking, you know, when they when you're standing up, you need to give them a reason why they should care about what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a lot in the last episodes, in fact, about creating empathy mm-hmm. and transparency and vulnerability and all the rest are tools to do that. And the why you should listen is really the the way in which you show what it is that is important to you that is also important to them. What's worth their time? And that's the hook. There's a there's something in there that they think, oh, if I continue to pay attention to this. Now, you know, brain science has shown that that you can keep an attention span for somewhere between eight and twelve minutes. Hmm. You know, at which point you start to zone out. You ever notice when you're listening to somebody your your mind can track with them for a while, especially if you're in an audience where you're not necessarily getting eye contact all the time, you know, so you can just be anonymously drifting whenever sure, you want, yeah. you know, go to, go to church on Sunday sometime and just look at the number of people who are just like looking off into space right. somewhere, you know, right. you can tell they're not connected. And the, the challenge is that we need to show not only why they should listen, kind of establishing that up front. But that ought to be a recurrent theme in what your message is about, right? Hmm. So this isn't just a, I'm going to answer this. None of these questions are really, I'm going to do this at the beginning, and then I'm going to do this second, I'm going to do this third. These are not sequential, and these are not just something you dispatch right away off the beginning, and then you can go on. This is something your whole presentation needs to continually answer the question, why should I still be listening? Yeah. Not only why should I start listening, which right. is you know reason for a good opener, but why should I still be listening? You know, you need to keep that hook going. Right, I agree with that. And the question around why should I listen? Think think in terms of credibility. So if, if you think of credibility, if you have let's ju- let's just say you have someone who's very well educated, like a doctor, and you have someone that's a firefighter but the topic is fire safety. Are you going to listen to the doctor or are you going to listen to the firefighter? Having that kind of credibility where it says, based on this topic, here's why I'm a credible person to listen to. And if you can set that up, uh, that that in itself can be something simple enough to say, oh, okay, this, this guy is someone worth listening to because he knows the topic. Yeah. So even if it's that simple, it helps. Yeah, and a, a doctor even could have an interesting topic on that because he might talk about the burn patients that have come in, and this is what you ought to, right. you ought to worry about fire safety. He might right. not tell you the mechanics of fire safety, but he'll right. tell you what the consequences are if you don't. You know? right. So you don't necessarily have to have credibility precisely in the the how-to part of it, mm-hmm. but it has to have some effect on you or some impact. And really, that does bring us into the second question that audience is asking is, what's your role in this? You know, So they're asking you, what is it that you are here to do? Are you a guru? 
you know, where where you're the um, the expert, expert, and I should be, you know, really just dripping in every writing down everything you say because you're the uncontrovertible expert. Are you the guide, you know, that might take me through and show me step by step how I can move along? Which may not be the same as an expert. You know, an expert can can tell you what's happening. They can't necessarily bring you along. Right. They can observe and they can tell you some stuff, but they they can't necessarily take you to the next place. So for instance, the doctor might not have expertise in the fire safety, but he can certainly has some expertise in what he's observed, right? Mm-hmm. And so are you a guru or are you a guide or the third category I think about is really just to keep the G thing going. Are you a greenie? In other words, what is that? Are you new? Yeah. Are you new to this? And and you can still give, you don't have to be an expert to give a presentation. You yeah. can be new at it in the sense that you're saying, hey, uh, this is stuff I'm learning. This is where I'm at. Now, I, I, you may be further along in this than I am. I may be further along than you because maybe you're not even thinking about this stuff, but I'm still presenting myself as someone who's learning it. And sometimes people who give presentations who are, you know, like really, really green are giving it because they want help. You know, I want you to help me in this. I'm trying to grow this. So for instance, a greenie who could be an incoming CEO who's giving the first presentation to a company that he's just taken over. Now he's a greenie for that culture. Yeah. I mean, there is expected to, you know, he's got certain positional authority by which people will listen to him, but he's not necessarily an expert in the culture. And so he has, he can put a presentation, he or she could put a presentation in front of that audience and present it in a way that says, hey, I, I, I need to learn what you guys have to teach me. And so in that context, he's setting his role as a greenie, not as an expert, mm-hmm. you know, but as a, as a greenie in that respect, one who's green, right? You're right. I think another important aspect of what your own list is be, be honest, <laughs> be you, be authentic, and don't try to be something that you're not. So something I've seen a few times is someone trying to act like they are an expert when they're not. Yeah. They're well, a charlatan then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't think they have ill will or ill intention or anything like that, but they I, I think the idea was is unless they come across as the guru, the people won't listen. And more often than not, if you're honest, I think pe- people respect and honor that so much that it becomes an engaging way of speaking is that you, you're setting the standard and saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, I, I've observed that unless you have positional authority, you know, like you're the CEO, right? it's really hard to maintain a guru role because yeah. there's always somebody in the audience who may know more about an area than you do. And right. they like the fact that they may catch you saying something that isn't quite right. And right. in which case you diminish credibility on all the other stuff that you may have said, right. even if everything you said was right. And the one thing was maybe even just contentious. It might, might not even been an error on your part. It might've just been a difference of opinion, but you can lose credibility from that. It's not one of the hardest positions to maintain. It isn't that you shouldn't do it, but you should just be aware if that's the question that you're trying to answer for the audience, how do you want them to perceive you? Yeah. And you don't need to be the guru for you to be respected or appreciated. Exactly right. And, you know, I think part of our culture around expertise, and we've talked about this on some other episodes, is part of our culture around expertise often drives us just to assume that if we're going to 
speak publicly about something, we have to speak from the voice of the expert. Mm -hmm. And you don't. You could speak from the voice of a journeyman. You could speak from Mm -hmm. your own lens in terms of, hey, your mileage probably varies. But let me tell you about some of the stuff that I've been picking up. And then I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you. And when you have that kind of orientation, it settles the question for the audience. When somebody's listening to you, they're thinking. They may not say it. They may not articulate it this way. But they're trying to figure out, are they trying to convince me of something from the position of an expert or are they trying to take me along their journey right you know as as someone who's a guide or are they trying to show me that they're starting out and here are some of the discovery they've had in, as yeah. part of a greenie so that's actually a perfect lead into the next question which is what do you have in common with me and we're already kind of talking about that we're yep. talking about this level of relatability that right. be- between me the audience and you the speaker and that honesty, that vulnerability that we just talked about in the last episode, yep. that is really engaging for a lot of people because you can set yourself up as the expert, but a lot of people can't relate to you, but they still want to learn from you. But those of you who are not experts and you're talking to a crowd, most of the crowd is not an expert either. And they're probably going to engage with you because they can relate to you if you can be honest. Yeah, if you used humor especially humor that's about yourself rather than about others, you know, is, that, that, yeah. that kind of brings in a little bit of the transparency, vulnerability, maybe an area where you've messed up that is kind of genuinely funny and it's yeah. applicable, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. As long can, as it's not self-deprecating because that's how most jokes about yourself come across. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of depends, I think, on how you do that as well. But it, it, there's a question about whether you overuse that or not. And mm-hmm. overusing any kind of humor probably isn't all that helpful. But Story is really important here. Yeah. You know, telling your own story, telling stories that have made an impact on you, and showing that you have some emotiveness mm-hmm. and some passion about what you're doing. Why is the topic important to you? That's kind of the hidden thing behind this. You know, if you want to share something with me, I want to first of all know that we have some area of commonality. Right. You know, there's some some way in which I can relate to you, and that. That then becomes the vehicle by which your passions transfers over to mine. Right. I remember when I was in college, <laughs> I remember uh, one of the professors uh, saying <laughs> he had a he had a quote on his uh, I think he had a quote on his wall of a definition of a lecture. Do you know what a, a lecture is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, never heard of a lecture. What is that? <laughs> well, he a defined lecture. a lecture where <laughs> as uh, the lecture is when the notes of the professor become the notes of the student without passing through the brain of either. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. That was hilarious. One more time. One more time. <laughs> the notes of the professor become the notes of the student without passing through the brain of either. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my college life. <laughs> That's awesome. That is sometimes how we approach it. We think that if we put together a presentation, all we have to do is deliver the notes. It's a verbal recitation of stuff we've written down. Rather than thinking through some of this stuff, how do I create connection throughout my message so that I keep them, I keep them attentive, but I also keep them connected to me emotionally. So Mm -hmm. my journey becomes their journey. It's like why we watch a movie. You know, we get connected to a character in a movie Mm -hmm. and we want to follow what happens. We're interested in what happens in that movie. And so the best presentations are one that's that kind of leaves you maybe with a little bit of a cliffhanger at the beginning. What what did you do to resolve that? And then 
the resolution comes at the end. You know, you think about a three act story where, you know, here's the character and here's how life's going along. And then all of a sudden act two, something happens to disturb them. And then act three, this is how they resolve it. Right. And that's the thing that you need to think about as you're relating in your presentation as well. That's right. Andy Stanley, he came up with a format um, that I think speaks to this quite a bit. And he, he calls it the me, we, God, you, we. And his is specifically focused towards sermon messages. But even if you look at his format of me, we, God, you, we, you notice that the only thing in there that, that's in there twice is we. And that even even to his point, or to Larry's point, even Anthony Stanley is saying, you know, it's that connection piece. How are you and I, we, how are we yes. related? Yes. How are we in this together? Yes. How are we getting through this? How are we just being enveloped by this topic together? But we being a main issue or main guideline of speaking, even for Andy Stanley, so that commonality, that relatability is absolutely fundamental in these messages. It can't be too intellectual, depending on your audience, I guess. Yep. But at the same time, it can't be overtly emotional because then people just get emotionally drained. Yeah. Now, his outline there is from a presenter's perspective, and he said this in the you, which draws us right into number four for us, which is, what is the benefit to me? So from the audience, from the audience perspective, yeah. they want to know, how does this affect me? Mm-hmm. And Oftentimes, we assume that what we are saying, that they'll naturally think that that's a benefit to them. Mm -hmm. We don't make that connection and actually say, all right, will my audience actually, where will the audience see the benefit of this message? Right. What is it that they get from it? Right. (laughs) What's the takeaway? Yeah. I had an interesting exercise done at one of the presentation workshops that I went to, Armin, and what they did was they asked each of us to come in to the room. They broke us into groups of seven or eight. And we each had two minutes, a two minute message that we had to prepare. It didn't matter what it was about. You know, you could talk about your vacuum cleaner, your parakeet or whatever. It didn't matter. Right. But a two minute message. And at the end of the message, each person in the audience was to write down the, the theme of the message. What was it they were trying to say? Hmm. Okay. And then, so you had seven or eight people that heard what your two-minute message was, and they each wrote down what they thought you heard. So at the end of everybody giving that presentation, we all looked at our sheets, and every one of us had something different that each of the audience members heard Oh wow! in just a two-minute presentation. Oh, wow. So the key to a powerful presentation, the point of that exercise was, the key to a powerful presentation is when you can speak with what is the takeaway What's the benefit message? What's the key thing you want them to remember? Because it's amazing, just in a two-minute presentation, how everyone can get a different impression. You'd think in two minutes, your odds of being on target with a singular message would be quite high. Sure, yeah. Imagine that over 30 minutes or 45 or, or an hour if you give an hour presentation. You know, right. Imagine how many opportunities there are to make that unclear. Right. So this is the core central question. What's the benefit to me? What's the core thing that I should take away after having listened to this? Right. And it's a great exercise to do after you hear somebody else's message sometime. It's just to say, all right, what do you think the core message was there? Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my friends who's a pastor, he gives 
long-winded messages like pastors often do, you know. And one time I decided to mind map it. I brought out my iPad and I just did the mind map of all the different oh, no. themes, you yeah, know. Yeah. And kind of in an effort to help him a little bit, I showed him the mind map. I, I said, you know, you had three sermons in that message. You know? there, <laughs> there was actually three really good sermons in that message, but you went from this topic to this topic to this time. Just, just to point out, because we're often not aware that we miss that. We will go all over the place thinking in our nervousness that we've got to cover this time sure, yeah. and we've got to have all this material when, frankly, simplifying the message and bringing it down to one thing, again, that the brain can remember yeah. is much more vital than trying to cover a big swath of a field. Right. And try not to over-benefit them either because... <laughs> Well, that's the point. Yeah. So, so what's the core benefit? Yeah, exactly. Just, right. Just minimize what you think that benefit is, and it'll probably help you quite a bit. And the people listening to what you're trying to say, which leads to the last question, is what are you asking me to do? And you got to think in terms of action, not just think about it. Sometimes it's okay to leave them with saying, okay, I, I want you to ponder this. Yeah. If you're giving some deeply philosophical message or something like that but typically you want to give them an action step of some sort that is that's not so overwhelming that they don't even know where to begin with that action step but it's got to be simple it's got to be intuitive and it's got to be easy to remember well you know one of the things that is cursed me just as we're talking i mean that one of the things the feedback i've gotten from some of our listeners is they enjoy the challenge me at the end right. because frankly that's what the challenge me is yeah this is here's your action step now you don't necessarily have to do it you know, obviously you've got your own volition, free will, you do whatever you want. Sure, yeah. You can turn this episode off right now. Please don't. <laughs> We're still here, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> but the action step at the end is helpful for people to understand, okay, if I wanted to take that idea and really bring it down into my life, how would I do that? Yeah. Of course, in a corporate setting, you have a clear call to action here. And, and it's amazing, and even in corporate settings, how unclear a call to action might be. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's for a budget approval and you don't ask is there anything about this budget that you can't approve right now? Sure, I yeah. mean, it's kind of fearful to put the question out there, right. but you can do that. And that's clearly one of the questions that the audience is asking is what step are you asking? I mean, there may not be saying it, but they want to know what step. And I have been amazed how many times, I mean, getting people to do something is much easier when you ask them mm -hmm. because you just kind of think, well, they ought to conclude that that's what they need to do, but not necessarily. They may not even think about it. And putting the question out there in a very clear way gives them the opportunity to say, yeah, I can do that. Right. Or no, I won't. But, you know, yeah. at least you put it out there. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. At least you gave them the option. Yeah. And one of the things that will help quite a bit is these questions actually become a lot more meaningful the more that you can know about your audience. You don't have to know all about your audience, but if you have a speaking engagement and there's a way that you can ask questions about your audience and get to know your audience before you stand in front of them, these questions will be a lot more meaningful for you as you prepare your message. So if you can find out, find out. It'll help you quite a bit. Yeah. And you know, if somebody's invited you to speak somewhere and they say, oh, you know, we've got people of all kinds and blah, blah, blah. Drill down. Don't just accept the brush off that, you know, ask what some of the common issues are that might be related to, or what perspectives do you think people are going to be coming to the table with mm -hmm. that would be helpful for you to know about. Just even knowing how the audience, like you said, Armin, is, is critically important because they're going to be asking these questions of you. You may not be aware of it. They may not ask it in that way, but they're coming in with that as a predisposition. 
And for you to know what you can about the audience really helps as you prepare your message to them. <laughs> it dramatically changes your message. <laughs> it can. But back, so back to the challenge or the last question we asked. So that we have to actually apply it in our own episode now. So this is the challenge me aspect of that. So we want to challenge you with this. We gave you the five questions, which we'll go over again, which are, why should I listen? What's your role in this? So remember, are you a guide? Are you a guru? Or are you a greenie? What do you have in common with me? Think in terms of relatability. What's the benefit to me? And what are you asking me to do? So write down your answers to those five questions, and that'll be our challenge to you for your next presentation. Very good. Boom. Boom. Shakalaka. All right. You didn't know how I said that. I didn't know. I asked him earlier today, is it chocolaka or shakalaka? (laughs) Chocolate. (laughs) Chocolate? Whatever. We'll make something more. Make it up. Okay. All right. So we've come to the end of the show. So this is Larry Gates. And Armina Sadi. And we want to thank you for being a part of this episode. Again, the show notes are at reinventure.me slash 125. Leave us a comment there. Let us know what tips you found to be helpful in your preparation as well or call us on our show line at 612-314-5447 so until next week we're saying so long and go get them you've been listening to the reinventure me podcast with your hosts larry gates and armin asadi 